1: This is Joe Polish, and I am here with Mr. Tony Shea, CEO of Zappos.com. And in case you haven't noticed, behind Tony and behind me, you will see things that say Zappos.com. If you've never bought anything from Zappos, go visit the website after you're done watching this interview. Anyway, how are you doing, Tony? Good. How are you? We're, I'm great. I'm great. We're here in Vegas, your yeah. headquarters. Thanks and, for coming uh, Yeah. Thanks for sitting down. And you're going to speak at my conference this year, so a lot of people watching are going to see you live. Uh, but what I want to talk about today is how have you built this uh, this organization called Zappos? It's everywhere. I mean, Even when I went to the airport today and I was flying out to Vegas, um, it's there at the bottom of the bin. It mm-hmm. says Zappos.com. What does Zappos mean? I just want to kind of get this out of the way. Where'd you come up with the name? Uh, so I
2: actually joined Zappos about two months after it started. And uh, the original name that the founder had come up with was Shoesite.com uh-huh. because the original idea was, let's just sell a lot of shoes online and um he was looking for an investment and basically realized that calling it shoesite.com was kind of like calling a store store right. and so i wanted yeah so wanted to come up with something that didn't really mean anything and uh so the spanish word for shoes is zapatos and so he took out a couple letters and added a p and Zappos was born.
1: There you go. Okay, so how long, how long has the company been in business now? Uh,
2: we actually just celebrated our 10-year anniversary, awesome. uh, just June 1st.
1: Wonderful. Now, um, people will typically maybe think of Zappos as, as a shoe company because from the very beginnings, but what would you prefer people actually think of Zappos as? I mean, what's your vision?
2: Yeah, so uh, our vision and internally, we really think of ourselves as a service company. That's really what we want the Zappos brand to be about, just the very best customer service and customer experience. And yeah, hopefully 10 years from now, people won't even realize we start out selling shoes online. And in fact, today we actually sell clothing, bags, kitchenware, housewares, and cosmetics and so on. So... Um, yeah, yeah, we really just want the brand to be, uh, it, actually, it doesn't even have to be limited to online. We've had customers ask if we would start an airline, for example, and I wouldn't rule that out 20 or 30 years later down the line.
1: Actually, I hope you do start an airline because the airline industry is terrible, and so we need like customer service in the airline business. One thing, you know, I, I, I've done trips uh, to Necker Island with Richard Branson, and one of the things I said to him is that the, the, mo- the motto in the airline industry is, we're not happy till you're not happy. <laughs> And that's basically sort of the theme with, I think, a lot of businesses. And I actually have to give Dan Sullivan credit. He's the one that originally said that statement. But nonetheless, you're so focused on customer service. Um, What's your definition of customer service?
2: Uh, I think it's everything. It's really more, I guess, just about an attitude and and then the ability to actually help a customer and and go above and beyond. So for us, it's kind of evolved over the years. Originally, it was just, let's make sure we just uh, wow the customer and go above and beyond, and that's all we care about. And then just over time we realized that part of our culture and therefore part of our brand is really about being really human and personal and so there are some places that maybe from a process point of view it's a decent customer experience but we really want to connect with our customers and our employees on a really personal level. Internally we use a term called PEC which stands for personal emotional connection.
1: Gotcha, what, what I'm gonna do right now, I, while I was in the airport, I, mm-hmm. I was thinking what could I buy for you, mm-hmm. and so I, I purchased this item. It's a uh, a scorpion uh, banana flavor lollipop, so um, I just wanted you to have that. Wow, I didn't know
2: these existed. I'd been looking all over for one.
1: Right, right, and while I was thinking you are looking for one, this is the Arizona Rattlesnake Eggs bubble gum. so that's well, that's you. for you also. So just please, this, on behalf of myself and all of our viewers, as I our guests, anyway. Um, now I'm going to get the bio out of the way. I'm going to read something okay. here. This is other than maybe some stuff out of the Zappos Culture Book, which I may read something. Uh, just for our viewers, Tony Shea, spelled H-S-I-E-H. Do people always mess up your name?
2: Uh, yes. What do they usually say? Uh, they'll. Has she, has she say say. I, I I've heard a hundred different things. Okay. So. Well, we'll we'll stick with you. Hsieh. Just call me Tony.
1: Uh, okay. Tony originally got involved with Zappos as an advisor and investor in 1999, about two months after the company was founded. Over time, Tony ended up spending more and more time with the company because it was both the most fun and the most promising out of all the companies that he was involved with. He eventually joined Zappos full-time in 2000. Under his leadership, Zappos has grown gross revenue sales from $1.6 million in 2000 to over $1 billion this year by focusing relentlessly on customer service. Tony focuses on continuing to grow the business at a rapid pace while maintaining the culture and feel of a small company. Prior to joining Zappos, Tony co-founded Venture Frogs with Alfred Lin. Venture Frogs is an incubator and investment firm that invested in internet startups, including Ask Jeeves, Tell Me Networks, and of course, zappos.com. Prior to Venture Frogs, Tony co-founded Link Exchange, an advertising network that was successfully sold to Microsoft for 265 million in 1998. So that means you actually have some money laying around
2: uh, for the investments. Yeah,
1: good. All right. So you met Alfred Lynn, who's your CEO CFO in college uh, when you were running a pizza business. And is it true that he was your number one customer? Is that really true? Or did you just yep. make that up? No, he was. Uh, he,
2: wouldn't. he even had the frequent pizza diners card. And uh, that's, really, yeah. you had a
1: frequent pizza diners. Card at your
2: pizza place? Just for Alfred.
1: Really? Yeah. That's fascinating. All right, well, does he still eat a lot of pizza? Uh,
2: yeah, I, although probably not. I mean, he used to eat it every night. I don't think he does anymore.
1: Okay, so here I am with the lovely Liz, and Liz is known as Tony, Shay, and Alfred's um, Time Ninja, basically. Some people would refer to you know people that assist him as assistants, but she's a time ninja. So what do you actually do here at Zappos? Um,
0: I help Tony with the you know the day-to-day scheduling, setting up, helping with meetings, doing some correspondence, and a lot of times I'll help out if you know people like Joe come in and you know want a chance to talk to him. I'll help set sort of that thing up. Um, I just do a little bit of everything all day long, and I work very closely with Jerry. Um, he's my He's my go-to guy, and I'm his go-to girl, so we work together very closely.
1: Yeah, and she actually set this interview up with uh, Tony, so you're awesome. Now, Jerry is known as the mayor here at Zappos, and what Jerry's going to do is just literally take you through a tour of this and show you and point out what everything is and how it works because he takes people through Zappos all the time and explains how this billion-dollar company works.
0: Our founder, Nick Swinburne, was looking for these pair of shoes in a mall in 1988, 98. And if you can remember back that far, the internet was like the space program. It was just kind of out there. So he decided he was going to sell his shoes on the internet and everybody laughed at him. So he called over to Nordstrom's and got a, a guy that I worked with, Fred Mosler, and pitched him the idea. And actually, Fred left us and went with Nick and the rest is history. We did a, a billion dollars in gross sales last year. We're number 23 in the Fortune 100 best companies to work for. We're actually the fastest new company to get onto the list. How many employees does Zappos currently have? We
2: have about 1,300 employees, and about half are here in Las Vegas and the other half in California. 1,300?
1: Yeah. Okay. And uh, do you pay them more, less, the same as, or how do you actually, What what's sort of the structure of how you it's run this uh, billion-dollar business?
2: Yeah, for entry-level, right. it's roughly at or maybe slightly above market, and then uh, for the very senior-level people, it's actually uh, below market, and our our whole philosophy is we really want to make sure that people are fairly compensated, but we're not trying to lure people in by paying them exorbitant salaries. We really focus on the company culture here.
1: Okay. So, well, you were recently on the, on the cover of Inc. magazine, and in that article, you talk about how um, you pay people a couple thousand bucks to leave after you've hired them for after a couple weeks, I believe yeah so talk about that yeah
2: so everyone's that's hired here in our Las Vegas office doesn't matter what position you can be an accountant, lawyer, software developer goes through the exact same training as our call center reps. We call it our customer loyalty team and uh, you know, part of that is going over company history, our philosophy about customer service uh, and and then actually take spending two weeks taking calls from uh, customers and our whole philosophy is, If our brand is gonna be about customer service, then customer service should be the entire company, not just a department. So in terms of the offer we make at the end of the first week of training, we basically tell everyone, we're gonna make you an offer uh, and here's the offer. We're gonna pay you for the time that you've already worked plus an extra $2,000 bonus to quit and leave the company right now. And that's actually a standing offer until I think six or seven weeks down the line. Uh, and, and the reason for that is because we don't want people that are here for a paycheck. Uh, there's plenty of other call centers here. So if you're a call center rep that's making $11 an hour, $2,000 is you know pretty good incentive that this right. isn't the right culture or environment for you.
1: So, I mean, would you recommend uh, other companies do that sort of thing for a screening process? Or? Yeah, definitely. I mean,
2: the original thought was these people that aren't really, uh, you know, don't really believe in the company anyways they're gonna probably leave the company anyways three or six months later uh, down the line and by then you've already paid them much more than two thousand dollars and actually our problem has been uh, so in 2007 uh, I think it was less than 3% of people took the offer in 2008 less than 1% of people took the offer so we actually keep upping the offer because not enough people are taking it
1: what's it at right now Uh,
2: well no one this year has taken the offer yet
1: Really. Okay, so you, uh, you are really trying to encourage just to weed people out just to absolutely make sure they're going to be here for the long term or just totally be into it. Yeah, and, and so really it's our
2: part of our philosophy. Of, you know, employees can view their work as either a job or career or calling, and, uh, and really we want to move employees up through you know, that, that path.
1: Yeah. Well, okay, so the founder originally started it, but you obviously got involved because you're clearly a sharp business guy. But at the same time, I mean, you have, uh, you know, thousands of business opportunities presented to you. Why, why did you pick this one and what's the secret sauce behind it?
2: I think, uh, it was just the people. The, the people that were around were front. They were people that I would actually hang out with you know even if we weren't in business together so.
1: Well let me talk about that because I think that's that's sort of an interesting statement um, so what, what are your thoughts about you know not I've heard a lot of CEOs you know don't become friends with your employees don't hang out with them socially you know keep a separation between personal and business what are your what are your thoughts on that?
2: I, I guess we take the exact opposite approach um, yeah we it's actually one of our questions when we interview people how do you feel about uh, socializing with coworkers, and if someone says, "Oh, I think you know I, there should be a separation," I'm not okay with that. Uh, we we won't hire them.
1: Really? Yeah. Okay. So you, you hang out with your employees and everything? Yeah. All the time. yeah.
2: And, yeah. and and actually, uh, when we do new manager orientations, we actually encourage the managers to spend ten to twenty percent of their time outside the office with their coworkers and
1: T- ten to twenty can... percent. Yep. That's cool. Well, doing what? Whatever they want.
2: Uh, yeah. So for different, I mean, it kind of just depends on who's in the group and what they're interested in. But for some people, it might be they go hiking together. For others, it might be happy hour. For others, uh, I think there's something going on with one of the departments where they're going bowling together. So, it, it, and then a lot of departments will mix it up as well.
1: Well, do you go? Do you go out drinking with your your employees and stuff?
2: Uh, yeah. We have uh, many parties and celebrations here. One. In,
1: you know, I I, was, I have a confession to make. Really, the videos and everything here, Tony. This was there were some people that were concerned. This is really an inter, intervention, and we wanted to just make sure that you're aware of that we're going to kind of ship you off, and we we've got a, a van waiting downstairs. All right. All right. So just kind of stay tuned. Um, well, what what are some of the biggest mistakes that people? I mean, you, you say because of the people, but the, the the culture here is is developed. It doesn't just happen. There are certain elements that are taking place here. How instrumental are you, you know, the CEO, Tony Shea? I mean, are you the one that has built this up to a billion-dollar-year business with your leadership? Or, I mean, how, because, uh, you know, people want to know, well, how did this happen? How, did, how does he do this sort of stuff? So, I mean, if there is any process to it that you can explain, how responsible are you versus other elements. Yeah, I, I mean, I think most, the vast, vast,
2: vast majority of it comes from the employees. And uh, I guess if you want to make an analogy, you know, if you think of employees and their ideas and and so on as being plants that you want to grow and, and so, so on, like my role is not to be the biggest plant that they all aspire to or anything like that. I, I guess I view my role as uh architecting the greenhouse for where they where they grow so it's really more about you know i spend my time thinking about okay how can we create uh, an environment and how do we what processes can we have where uh really employees feel like they aren't not only have permission but are encouraged to just be themselves and let their true individuality and creativity shine and that's true Whether it's, uh, you know, talking to customers over the phone because we don't have any scripts. We just want them to do what's appropriate for their personality to, you know, as you walk around into our offices, you'll see the cubes are, uh, decorated differently by different teams. And it's really, uh, and, and I don't, I can't predict all the stuff that happens. A lot of times I'll walk by and be like, Oh, what's, what's that? That's kind of interesting and new. And, uh, what's, what ends up happening is, uh, so we didn't always have all our, all of these cubicles or aisles um, decorated. It was more just one team decided to do it, and then the team next to them was like, "Well, we can outdo you." And then it just is very organic and, and just takes a life on, of its own. That's or, interesting. Yeah. Or if you look at the conference rooms, uh, you know, during the tour, we have a conference room that's a log cabin themed and one, and that was uh, you know the the budget for that was uh, just a few hundred dollars, and so it ended up being a great thing where. Uh, employees because they knew it was a small budget and it's actually cost us less to do that than the normal ti improvement right. you know budget that they basically uh, got together and it was our outdoor team that that did this uh got together and you know they spent the weekend putting the flooring in and running around like looking on craigslist or going to swap meets to find all the parts to fit within the budget and then that also ended up being a great you know team building thing
1: well, you know, what I'd like to do uh, is to actually show some of the different rooms uh, to all the people that are watching us right now, and they can see some of the different elements. Well, uh,
2: there's the log cabin themed room built by our outdoor team, and uh, there's the uh, this room built by the skate and surf team. And as you can see, it's literally a boardroom uh, with all the surfboards and, and skateboards in it. And uh, there's a, our, our development team built a bowling alley here, and uh, our help desk decided to build, a. I think, is it Rosie the ro- Robot in the Jetsons? I not something in did you not watch the Jetsons? No,
1: unfortunately, I'm sorry, I did not.
2: Uh, well, everyone else says yes, <laughs> so. Uh, and uh, we have a room that's kind of a zen-like f- feel, and it's built by our comfort team, and this we have another room that's built by our uh, China team, and so has uh, a kind of China theme to it. So uh, we have a room with, you'll see Polaroids all over the wall and a giant throne there. And actually, that's the office of Dr. Vic. And his job title is actually just coach. He uh, He's a life coach, and basically, he, he's kind of like our own internal version of Anthony Robbins. He right. uh, gives motivational seminars and does one-on-one counseling for our employees, for anything from uh, career advice, uh, financial goals, exercise, weight loss goals, whatever goals they want to set for themselves personally, he'll help them set them and then check in on them on a regular basis to uh, make sure they're progressing.
0: This is actually Dr. Vick's office. He's not here right now, but we'll give you a little uh, history of what it is. So in the beginning, Dr. Vic's a chiropractor from Northern California, Nick, our founder, was going to him for an adjustment, and he said, I've got this great idea, give me $20. So, Dr. Vic gave him $20, then he gave him another $20, and he gave him another $20. So, he's actually one of our first investors. Joe, we're gonna have you go ahead and and have a seat in the throne here, and we're actually gonna take your picture. We have some crowns and we have uh, tiaras, both. uh, Whichever way you want, Joe. I think I will pick this one. All right, and there's a big ruby on the front there, excellent, you're looking good. All right, so everybody gets one of the pictures here.
1: Uh, now, do you, if he, if Doctor Vic got in a physical fight with Tony Robbins, you think he could take him?
2: Uh, I don't think anyone could overtake Tony Robbins. Yeah, he's a big but, dude.
1: Uh, yes. Yeah, he's a big guy. Anyway, I think if you went at the knees, I think you could get him down at least. Maybe wrestle him to the ground. Uh, what is your favorite room in the? Do you have one? Um, my favorite
2: one is probably the log cabin themed one that our outdoor team built.
1: What, what's, your, what's your home like? I mean, do you, do you carry the same sort of shenanigans to, uh, to your uh, house? A
2: little bit. Uh, so I, um, I, I basically have each of my guest rooms decorated at and themed after a different Vegas casino. So uh, when visitors come, I can just say, oh, you're staying in Mirage or you're staying at the Hard Rock. Uh-huh. So it's very easy.
1: Do you, I mean, what's it like being in Vegas, doing business in Vegas?
2: It's uh, such a it's, crazy town. Well, it's crazy on the Strip, and so most people don't really realize that it's completely different as soon as you get off the Strip. And, uh, you know, off the Strip, it's like any other suburb, um, it, And but it's nice that the Strip is always there if you need it. And so I personally don't normally go to the Strip unless there are friends in town or vendors in town.
1: Right. Well, you know, like, for instance, here is the Ink magazine that you were on the cover, and this is a fantastic article, and it's why everybody loves Zappos. Uh how do you feel about being on the cover of a magazine?
2: Uh, it's a little weird. Um, I was actually at an airport uh, a couple of weeks ago and buying a water, and the cashier had it next to her. And, she, and then she looked at the magazine and looked at me, and she's like, oh, you know what? You look just like that
1: person. That's so funny. What did you yeah. say?
2: I it just is. nodded. And,
1: you don't just, strike me as a guy that's like bragging a lot and wanting to be real famous and out there you know, swinging from the or whatever the term yeah, is. Yeah, so, well, that's, I,
2: yeah, I don't actually personally want to be famous, but I want, uh, I, I want Zappos to be famous, and I, I really enjoy uh, being part of building consumer brands, because it's kind of like the best parts of fame without the worst parts of fame.
1: Gotcha. Okay, well, what, what I'd like to ask you about is is building a brand. What, do, what does a brand mean? I mean, uh, I'm in the marketing business, my company, Piranha Marketing. Um, I'm very much uh, against uh, image uh, advertising just for the sake of getting your name out there. I very much like getting your name out there and getting a response back. And one of my favorite definitions of branding came from uh, David Ogilvy, which, uh, who, you know, fantastic advertising guy uh, who wrote Ogilvy on advertising. He said, it's, you know, it's the personality of your product or service, what it is you do. Uh, what would be the Tony Shea definition of, of a brand?
2: Uh, I guess... There's a few different ways you could define it. One is uh, it's basically just a shortcut to uh, an emotion or a set of emotions. Uh-huh. And um, you, you know, it, I, I think it used to be that brands, big companies, could go around and say, "Okay, how do we? What do we want our brand to be?" <clears throat> and then they could just broadcast it on TV, and then that was their brand. Whereas today, brand is really. No longer completely in the control of the company or the corporation, it's really just what your consumers or customers think of you. Like that's that's your brand, so they're really in control of your brand. So, you know, we talked about the airline industry earlier in this interview, and the brand of the airline industry is bad customer service. Right. Well, not any specific airline, but the industry as a whole. Right. And yet, no airline set out to say our brand should be about customer serv- bad customer service. So, you know, how did that happen? And it's because consumers talk to each other and uh and then they form their own opinions and then they have an emotional you know response whenever they hear airline industry
1: well i mean so you're clearly doing something here um that is continually building this culture and i mean you even talked about in your culture book and in the article and stuff about you know the importance of of culture, what what does that actually mean? I mean, for an entrepreneur out there that's you know watching this right now, you know, I, you know, I want to put a, I want to create a great culture in my organization, in my business. What, what does that actually mean? Well, for us, we've
2: kind of formalized the definition of our uh, culture into ten core values, and so really, our belief is that a company's culture and a company's brand are really just two sides of the same coin. And. The brand is really just a lagging indicator of the culture, and so uh, you know you can get away with your culture going downhill uh, today or this year, even. Uh, but eventually, it's going to catch up in, in terms of how your brand is perceived.
1: Did you? Well, let me actually. I have this marked here. It's page twelve of your culture book. It's uh, let's see, the cultures of Zappos. Okay. Our culture is based on 10 core values. I'm going to read them here. I'd like to actually then go and ask you about a couple of them. Uh, one, deliver wow through service, W-O-W. Uh, two, embrace and drive change. Three, create fun and a little weirdness. Be, uh, number four, be adventurous, creative, and open-minded. Five, pursue growth and learning. Six, build open and honest relationships and communication. Seven, build a positive team and family spirit. Uh, eight, do more with less. Nine, be passionate and determined. And ten, be humble. Um, let's first talk about wow. What do you mean by wow customer service? I, I wrote a manual for professional cleaners, which is one of the niches that I, I train. We're actually the largest training organization in the professional cleaning and restoration industry. We've got thousands of, of small companies that are in that industry. And One of the chapters I wrote 15 years ago was, you know, wow your clients. Mm-hmm. So you just you know, leave them with a smile on their face. What, what does wow mean to you?
2: Yeah, it's essentially that. It's, uh, you know, are you eliciting a positive emotional response from the customer? And, uh, are, and to, you know, there's different ways of doing that. For example, uh, a customer might call our call center and you know, one rep might be really chatty and love to tell jokes and is making the customer laugh. And, you know, after the customer hangs up, you know, that's not normal for when you call a customer service at most other companies. But then, if that customer calls again later and gets a different rep, maybe that they, they uh, don't, you know, that rep is not a joke teller, but they're from the same hometown, and then they can bond over that, or they hear a baby crying in the background, and the other one's also a mom, and they can bond, you know talk about and bond over that, and you know that's also very unusual, and and, and so, I guess at the end of the day, the criteria would be: is it storyworthy? Uh, is it something that? the customer is going to not only remember, but tell their friends and family about and have a, you know, a lot of uh, positive emotion associated with it.
1: Well, well I, I want to break this down a little bit because uh, in order for someone to do something like that, have a baby or a dog barking in the background, and be, you, you, you know, to, to have that ongoing conversation and bond with people, they need to feel that they're not going to get in trouble for so do you have a company without boundaries or is it like a self-imposed sort of no one really crosses the line or how how often does it get like over the top
2: uh i don't know if it's ever gotten over the top I i mean we basically that's part of our training we're like here are ways you can connect on a personal emotional level with customers and you know you don't have to do these ways and really we want you to figure out your own personal way that works for you and your personality and uh, and you know and then they'll practice that and get better over time
1: okay so and you say you don't use scripts right. so um, have you ever tried to use scripts and just said we're done with this or
2: no right. it, it was just it's just always been part of our uh, I guess just general philosophy that it's pretty hard to give great customer service if you're scripted
1: who do you get advice from? I mean, when you're trying to figure out, you know, what could I do here? I want to try something. I mean, uh, how do you, how do you how do you take advice and how do you implement things that you think would be worth trying?
2: Um, I, I guess I really enjoy reading business books about all different topics. So uh, you know, some are about marketing, some are about just uh, culture or organizational structure, and so on. And I. Personally, I guess I'd take a little bit away from each book, uh, and then also just like meeting lots of different people from all different backgrounds, not just the business world, and you know, there's something you can learn from, from everyone. So okay. those are probably the main
1: ways. Well, there's one here, which is, uh, okay, create fun in a little uh, weirdness. All right, so I, I very much like the way this sounds. So what what does that mean to you? Uh, well, our belief is that everyone's a little weird
2: somehow, and so it's really more just a fun way of uh, saying that we recognize and celebrate each person's personality and individuality, and we really we want their true uh, personality to shine in the workplace. And you know, whether that's over the phone or uh, with coworkers, we just want people to feel comfortable being themselves. And then when people actually are comfortable being themselves, it's amazing how many creative ideas, you know, come out of that.
1: Right, right. Do you think uh, most people in the workplace are very uncomfortable being themselves if you had to look at most businesses? Uh, that would be my guess. Yeah, yeah well, of course, I mean, it's sort of like a loaded question. I think it's obvious. Uh, yes, Joe, but, I do think that. But, you know, again, I don't know. But you'd think with as many people that are spending, you know, a third of their life working, how is it become... You'd think that more companies would be like Zappos. Why do you think they're not?
2: I think it's because it's the way it's always been. Uh, you know, if you look at the history of corporations, you know, it used to be uh, really manufacturing and factory-based, and you know, where there isn't room for a lot of creativity. You don't want someone that's manufacturing, uh, you know, certain things where where the number one priority is, you know, lowering lowering costs and having the least amount of defects possible. You don't want. The guy there to just say, "Oh, I'm going to assemble this thing right. randomly," and uh, and so and so that made sense in, in in that environment. But we live in a completely different world now. But you know, the management practices, you know, their old habits are hard to break. I think.
0: Okay. So this is Monkey Row. This is where. Uh, Tony, Alfred, Fred, Steve sit. they're right out in the open. Uh, the best way we feel to have an open door policy is not to have any doors. And so they're readily accessible whenever they're here. Uh, come on in and ask them a question, get some feedback on whatever you need. Actually, uh, this is Tony's fun box, so uh, we kind of I add to it every day. Uh, our friends from Blue Star Jets came in and there's actually some uh, different movies and stuff like that. You can actually eat peanuts here and throw the shells on the floor. We always think that it's a good idea to to come out of your shell. This is actually where Liz sits. Um, She's one of the. She's Tony's time ninja, and she's also one of the zap ads. So it's very cool. But uh, open door policy. Just come on in and and have at it.
1: Do do you consider yourself a good businessman? I mean, how do you? What do you think of yourself as?
2: I, I guess I consider myself to be, open, more open-minded than most people in business and I think that you know open-mindedness and flexibility kind of go in in, hand in hand and uh, there's actually a quote by uh, Charles Darwin about evolution where he I, I don't remember the exact wording but it's something like it you know the species that survives is not going to be the uh, smartest species or the fastest ones—it's the one that's the most adaptable to change. Right. And I think the same is true for business.
1: Okay, so uh, that's—you know—it's funny. I went to Galapagos recently, and I went to the Darwin Research Center, and that was—it's—it's it's amazing to actually see that because it's true. There are mm-hmm. some very strong creatures that never quite made it because they simply didn't adapt. And so, uh, forcing your way through something is not always a solution. Mm-hmm. Um, in the article, in the Ink magazine article, you know they they, they talk about you're a very low key, quiet, reserved sort of guy. I mean, do you pers- Are you like an introvert? Are you shy? Are you? Do you I mean, how how do you consider your personality? Because you know we've gone out to dinner before, we've hung out a little bit, and uh, you know you're a guy that always strikes me as hearing a lot. You really listen to a lot of things, and and. But a lot of times you don't always respond, so I think you just take a lot of stuff in. But it's always curious what the heck is you know going on in your head. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how do you consider yourself personality-wise?
2: Uh, oh, definitely introverted, uh, shy, and uh, you know, Evan. Oh Hagen. yeah. Uh, and so I, I think it was he that told me. Uh, I think he had read somewhere about you know what what's the difference between an introvert and an extrovert, and uh, he said extroverts uh, talk. As their way of thinking whereas introverts um, like think and then talk a- afterwards and and, uh, and so for introverts to um, talk it's actually like after talking a lot or interacting with a lot of people like I think introverts need to just take a break be by themselves and decompress and so on whereas extroverts afterwards are actually more
1: energized than they were before started talking gotcha oh that actually that's a great that's a great way of looking at it too so you if you had to go out and really you know do a big team meeting or do a public presentation then your natural reaction is i'm going to go kind of decompress for a while yeah
2: so definitely after i uh like when i when i go speak at at your thing i'll I'll definitely want like a half hour just to just chill and yeah
1: well no the reason i ask about you know being introverted or extroverted is—you're a guy that puts yourself out there a lot publicly. I mean, you've been on some, you know, major media, uh, you know, channels, news, interviews, uh, and whatnot, and you're—you know—you're a public figure. Um, Is that something that you want to do because you're challenging yourself or you're kind of or do you look at it as doing it for the sake of Zappos or is it something that you really allows you to grow? I mean, what are what are the reasons? Yeah,
2: it's uh, I would say it's for the sake of Zappos. Uh, I actually, uh, you know, a lot of organizations only want to talk to the CEO. and, And so we're trying to figure out internally. How do you scale? You know, and we're actually getting more people from different departments to do public speaking and, and so on. But um, it's definitely a challenge, and definitely you know, one of the parts of the business that I think is not scalable. What I really like the blue Man Group because you know, yeah. they can replicate themselves and right. you, know, you, you know so you know that's something we're considering. We'll just paint ourselves some color in.
1: Honestly, you should do that, like the the Asian Blue,
2: blue Man. Or the other, well, so, and then the other solution, I, this has been a challenge I've been thinking about actually for the last couple of years and, and haven't come up with a great solution. But the other idea was, uh, did you see total recall? Yes. And, uh, you know, the leader of the, Resistance or whatever was like is this guy named Quato or Quatro or something and but no one has ever seen him And turns out he's actually like this fetus that like comes out of someone's stomach and you know something But no one has ever seen him so I was thinking like we could say you know our equivalent quato is uh, You know Zato is uh, someone that and that's the true CEO, but he's you know camera shy and then everyone can become a spokesperson for
1: Wow. You know, I am so glad I I mentioned the part about create fun and a little weirdness, because that is one of the strangest things. (laughs) Watch the movie and it'll make much sense. No, no, but I totally hear what you're saying. I mean, yeah, because the challenge is, okay, but this is good, though. So... Uh, you've built a billion dollar a year company here. I mean, you're growing. this is a large organization you're reaching I mean how many how many thousands of people are you servicing today that are buying stuff off of that as
2: we have uh, close to eleven million paying customers
1: uh-huh. so, okay. S- okay, so for people that are watching this that are single person entrepreneurs or they've got a handful of employees and they want to get bigger I mean You know, you're a pretty big organization that's growing bigger and bigger. What are some tips and suggestions that you would have? Because one thing that absolutely separates you from a a lot of people, in spite of saying, hey, I'm, you know, an introverted guy. I don't, you know, always feel comfortable going out and talking. And when I publicly speak, I feel like decompressing. You're still a huge risk taker. And you're still driving so you're a big thinker. I mean, you think bigger than most people. I mean, is part of success in growing a business, uh, reaching lots of people, creating tons of value in the world, just uh, a combination of thinking bigger versus thinking smaller? Or is it is it something else? Um,
2: I would say probably the biggest thing is uh, is just patience, and and I don't mean patience as uh, as in in terms of just you know sitting around and hoping right. something miraculous will happen. But really when you're making decisions for your business, thinking long-term and thinking about what is actually gonna make a difference 10 years from now and what's actually gonna make a difference uh, even two or three years from now. But I think most people get stuck in what's gonna make a difference this week or this quarter or even this year. And, and you know when you think longer term, the decisions you make uh, end up being very different. And so things like culture, for example, if your culture, uh, you know, suddenly goes downhill tomorrow, or suddenly improves tomorrow, you're not going to see the effect this quarter or this year, even in terms right. of your uh, bottom line. Uh, but two or three years down the road, you will. And same thing with customer service. If uh, if we hypothetically stopped answering our phones and fired everyone in, in our call center, that would actually have a huge gain in our profits for uh, 2009. I don't think it would hurt our top-line revenue. We'd still do over a billion in gross sales, but two or three years from now, then we'd start feeling the effect. So I, th- I think the biggest thing is just how, um, ha- how long-term are you thinking?
1: Gotcha. Uh, so, so for uh, a, a new business owner out there starting out, um, what suggestions would you give them to give them the highest possibility of success? I mean, what are some tips, advice, that you would say,
2: uh, I'd say the number one thing is figure out what you would be so passionate about doing that you'd be willing to do it for ten years and not make a dime, Interesting. and uh, you know chase that vision and that passion and uh, you know they are, instead of the money because I, I think a lot of entrepreneurs you know, f- fall in love with the idea of like money is the end goal and when that is the end goal that kind of mentality actually prevents you from. Becoming a great company.
1: Well, you, you you've been studying a lot lately um, about happiness. I mean, you're public about that, um, and that you know money doesn't provide. I, I believe that a lot of things that can be purchased and that money gives you access to can put a big smile on your face. That could you know bring some levels of happiness, but it can't buy true friends. It cannot you know get you your health back if you let your health deteriorate. Uh, but you're really big on this whole concept of just feeling good and, and being happy. I mean, what, what are some things that you can speak to about that? I mean, that seems sort of like, a you know, some people might say that's sort of a weird thing for a CEO of a billion-dollar company to be one of his mm-hmm. primary focuses is happiness.
2: Uh, well, I, it makes sense from a business perspective because if you can make employees happy and customers happy, then you know, employees are going to be more productive, customers are going to be more loyal. Uh, so, I don't think it's really, I mean, I think every CEO should be thinking about how to do that. Um, but it's, yeah, it, what's interesting is, you know, there's uh, a couple great books. There's uh, Good to Great uh-huh. uh, by Jim Collins, and there's also Tribal Leadership. And both of those studied companies, uh, different types of companies in different industries, and looked at what separated the great companies from just the good ones. And what they found was uh, one of the things was, About having a vision that's has meaning that's um, has a greater purpose than just making money uh, or being number one in the market, and and those are the so so it's not just saying oh you should figure out a greater purpose or something you're passionate about uh, just because just just for your own personal happiness. It's actually good business. Like figuring that those are the companies that actually end up becoming great, and on the whole science of happiness thing like research has shown that the same thing is true on the personal side if you believe that you're leaving leading a uh, meaningful life that has you know higher purpose and there's uh you're part of something that's beyond just focusing on you yourself uh, it actually the research has shown those people are actually happier so they kind of run in parallel and and so it's just kind of interesting how it you know, for for me, I'm really viewing it from the scientific and research perspective. Like this is just what the data says. I'm not out there trying to say you should join you know, you know a charity or anything like that. But that's just right. what the research shows. That's just how we're designed.
1: Well, so for um, all of these, you know, thousands of, uh, of of employees and customers and everything that Zappos reaches, touches is going to over the over the years. Um, when it's all said and done, I mean, what would you like to have been said about Zappos 20 years from now? What would you like people to say? This is what this organization has done for me. This is what it represents. Uh, I'd like them to say that, uh,
2: you know, beyond just our employees and our customers, that we've helped improve people's lives and made them happier, uh, whether it's through, you know, what. We do with them, or uh, you know, there's just so many ways it can happen. Whether it's you know they call us and maybe they're having a bad day and they get off the phone, and you know now their mood is uh, lifted because they were laughing, or uh, because other organizations are learning that culture is important and learning how to improve their company culture and you know getting. Their employees happier, or just you know, in talking, sharing the stuff that we're learning about the science of happiness with you know, people that want to learn that stuff and apply it to their own lives or their own businesses.
1: Well, you know, one of the things I think is cool here that you do is, uh, f- for one, I've I've had a couple of uh, public speeches that I've given, and I've said, you know, let's call Zappos on you know speakerphone and just listen to this, and you know, it's 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 amazing because it is really amazing customer service and I tell people you know just call them if you don't even know what the heck the company does just call them and uh, you know their their phone numbers right on there, you know the page of all the pages I think on your website have your your phone number right there you literally encourage people to call you not just try to be an order taking online service um, but you know when we when people see the tours and and they come down here in person i mean everything from picking people up at the airport to bringing them in. One of the coolest things that impresses me is you have uh, bookshelves filled with business books and inspirational books and books that you think are just really awesome, you and other people in the company. And you just say, take whatever books. Okay, here I am at the front entrance of Zappos and there's a bookshelf behind me. And so when people do a tour, they actually let the people take any of the books that they'd like off the shelf. For instance, here's a, you know a book by Seth Godin. Uh, Tony talked about this on our interview tribes and uh, any book that you want because they believe that educate people give them knowledge and so check it out. So you're really big on uh, a philosophy that I don't know if you would think of it this way, but uh, but I believe that uh, leave people in a better place than they were before you came into their life. you know if you' if you're gonna rent somebody's house, don't trash it you know when you're when you're done, leave it in a, hopefully a better condition than it was before you showed up. And, and it seems that's kind of the theme that happens with Zappos. I mean, you want to put a smile on people's faces. You want people to come here and not only be impressed because part of it's marketing because, you know, hopefully they'll do business with you. But really, you want to impact people. You say, take whatever book you want. You know, we're, we're trying to do good stuff. So, I mean, you know, you're, you're really using entrepreneurism to create, you know, better, happier, human beings which, which I think is awesome and so it's part of the reasons you know I wanted to interview you and talk about this stuff. Uh, if someone has not done that before, uh, I asked you first if you were at a, a you know start in business what would you do? if you're already in business and you're kind of just not at all happy with it it's frustrating you're at a place where you, you, you're just not where you want to be what sort of advice would you say to that person? Do they need to step back? Do they? I mean, what what sort of actions would you suggest that they they take?
2: Um, I would say it's true for for anyone. Yeah, I would say step back and really evaluate your life. and And, and uh, I, I think a lot of people get stuck in you know, well. And so I, I wrote a blog post about playing, how poker has analogies to um, to business. And I would say you know a lot of people. I think the most important thing in poker is, you know, how well you bluff or how you bet or, you know, or so on. But actually, when you go into a poker room, the most important decision that's going to have the biggest impact on how much money you make or lose uh, that night is n- not, none of that. It's, uh, it's what table you decide to sit at. And if you sit at a table with bad poker players, you're going to make a lot more money than if you sit at a table with uh, really good poker players. And so if you think of that as an analogy to life, and you know, one table is about making as much money as possible and another table might be about, uh, say, really just Im- improving your own personal happiness, like which one is the table, wh- which game do you want to be playing? Right, right? Right. And so I think most people just, you know, not, without even really thinking about it, they're just at the mindset of, uh, you know, some people want to play the money game and uh, they want to personally earn as much money as possible. Some people want to play the fame game and just be recognized recognizer and be, uh, you know, be a celebrity when really I think the underlying motivation of all of this is they what they really want to play is the happiness game and maximize their happiness. And so if you're not happy with what you're doing, then you should take a step back and, you know, ask yourself, what are the assumptions of why you're doing what you're doing right now? And if you're really honest with yourself, I think a lot of people will realize, you know, I think think a lot of people just assume that making more money is going to make them happier. And even though historically that hasn't been the case, maybe they're happy the day of or a week after, but, uh, you know, there's a saying where a raise is only a raise, uh, for a month, and after that, it's just what you're paid.
1: Right. So. No, it's like that's ever went out and bought a, like you know what they think is the most amazing car in the world. You know, there's a there's a probably a couple of weeks where you're like, yeah, this is really cool, Then it tends to go back to uh, to normal.
2: Yeah, and, and and the research actually supports all this. So they've done lots of studies, and basically what they found is money actually does affect your happiness level uh, when. You don't have enough money to have your basic needs met, like food and right. shelter, and so on. But once your basic needs are met, uh, really any incremental amount of money does not, like they've measured it, you know, different income levels and so on, and it actually does not make people happier.
1: Yeah. So the key is, as long as you're not in total struggle survival mode, once you've gotten to that level, the amount of uh, impact is incremental at best with more money,
2: or even none at all. Yeah. Okay, so... Um, but that's a very hard concept, too. I mean, even you and I might rationally understand that, but it's still, you know, I think emotionally we're very tied to the just thinking more is better.
1: I, I, I absolutely agree. I agree. I mean, if, if we were to, you know, sit in front of a room of people and say, we've got, you know, a million dollars in this hand, or we've got a book on how to, you know, make millions and millions of dollars, or just how to be happy... You know, but you got to learn it. You got to put time in, understand it. You got to develop practices in your life. You know, most people are just going to take the money. They're not going to say, "Oh, well, let's do that." Mm-hmm. So, it, I think, yeah, just understanding. But
2: they've done so many studies on lottery winners where you know you look at their mm-hmm. happiness level right before winning the lottery and a year later, and it's the same or even lower. And and actually, the reverse is true too. You know, people that are dismembered or uh, become blind uh, a year later, they're uh, just as happy as they were before that happened, which. But I bet if we you know, asked your viewers to, how many of them would be willing to go blind for the rest of their lives, probably know, yeah, wouldn't I get an takers. It would be, yeah, you know? yeah
1: it's, it wouldn't be a good thing. And I
2: wouldn't do it either. It, and, and so that's interesting, right? So I don't think well, either about of us it. would do it, even though we know the research has shown that's not going to affect our happiness level.
1: Well, the, the key, the, you said it earlier, though, it's, it's about adaptation. So human beings adapt to lots of different stuff. So mm-hmm. part of it, I think a lot of people adapt to misery, they adapt to suffering, they adapt to struggle, and I don't know if people really consciously adapt to becoming more happy. I mean, I think you really, in because you say we, it's just been the way it is, I mean, there's a lot of cultural influences that cause companies and individuals to kind of be the way they are, and I think you almost need to break away from what everyone else is doing and kind of create your own thing, which is exactly what you're doing at Zappos. I mean, you're complete opposite of how most companies run, and... You know, look what's happened so far.
2: Yeah, and, and but, you know, there's people where, you know, their assumption might be, oh, I have to, uh, you know, make so much money to so that I can one day go travel around the world. And, you know, there's a great book, uh, Four Hour Work Week by mm-hmm. Tim Ferriss, where, you know, he basically woke up one day and realized if that that's what I want to do. I should just go do it, and I don't need a lot of money to be able to do that.
1: Tim is not a very happy guy, though. I don't really like him. No. no, I'm kidding. No, he was just. Uh, we were just hanging out two weeks ago. I went. I spent mm. nine days with him on vacation in Vietnam. So, mm. yeah, Tim's Tim's got some very good insights. The book is is fantastic. I've actually interviewed him before. It's, you know, we we were talking before the cameras were rolling uh, about relationships, and you had some insights on that. So, what are your thoughts? Well, I, you know, for, for us, I, I just think it's interesting.
2: There's a lot of analogies between personal and business, and what what works on uh-huh. in each. And so, you know our whole philosophy at zappos is we want to hire for culture and that basically breaks down into we have these 10 core values and we want people that basically have the same personal core values and that's what we that's how we interview people and that's what we hire for Uh, and so i think you know the same thing is probably true in relationships if uh, really it's about finding someone that has the same values uh, and then you guys just have the same you know, long-term vision of where you want to go. And you know, I, I think what a lot, of, a lot of people, when they first meet people, they may uh, find them, uh, maybe it's because of circumstance or they're physically attractive or whatever, and you don't really discover till you're kind of you know, six months later or three years later that really your values aren't aligned. And so if there was a discussion about values, what your own personal values are, uh, and then you could see how much overlap there is uh, that might actually prevent a lot of uh, things from going wrong or, or even from getting into relationship in the first place. Right. So, uh, you know, what's, and what's interesting is no, I mean, I've never thought to myself, oh, what are my personal values? But it's actually a tough exercise, and we actually just had a group of um, entrepreneurs here today where we went through that exercise this morning and uh, asked them, you know just write down your personal values you know in terms of you know either who you are or who you want to be right and uh, it's it's tough it's it's it requires a lot of introspection and the idea and it's not just something you could do in 5 minutes but if you spend time at it you know you the goal is you want to eventually come up with a list where you know someone looks at you look at that list and you're like yeah that's who I am or who who I want to be and um, and then what would be interesting is if you know for people that are in relationships to have your partner do that same exercise and then compare notes afterwards and it'd be interesting to see the differences
1: oh well i've seen, i mean do you do you think you um, work harder than the average person i mean when you talk about introspection and doing exercises i mean I think for a lot of entrepreneurs and business people that read a lot, that maybe go to seminars, I mean, certainly someone that would spend the time watching me interview a CEO of you know, a, a successful company, they're, they're trying to learn something. Um, so I think it's, it's more normal for people in business to maybe pursue education than some people, not always, but certain types of education. Do you think you work harder, try harder, do more than the average person, or, or have you just found your flow more?
2: Uh, I I think that everyone uh, actually, I mean, we're designed to want to learn Mm -hmm. and and grow. I I think a lot of it is that people, uh, just because of the way our education systems are structured, you know, people automatically associate most learning with just being really boring, right? right? And you're not engaged and and so on. And... and so, so I, I guess it kind of depends on what you consider work to be. You know, if you're doing what you love, then is that, you know, to your previous, is that work or play? Is it something that you're paid for, or that you'd be
1: willing to pay for? It? And if uh, you know both
2: are true, then that's ideal.
1: Right. Um, let me ask you about what happens when you have a really crappy day. I mean, do you ever have? public meltdowns? Or what do you do when you're just, you know, a lot of pressure on you, a lot of decisions, and maybe a big upset personally, uh, you know, in the company, something went wrong. I mean, uh, with such a positive culture around here and you, you know, constantly being the person that's sort of, you know, in a leadership position to maintain that, what do you do when you have just really difficult challenges and adversity? Um,
2: I, I guess, and you know, this isn't business specific. I just, what I found is a change of uh, environment can make a huge difference, or a change of who you're you know, surrounding yourself with uh, can make a huge difference. Uh, going to movies it, uh, can put you in a different mood because you're basically transporting yourself into uh, whatever the movie's about. Uh, running, exercising can. And have a big impact on mood too um, so can a drink
1: so, so can a drink just you know. pounding drinks or just more like social drinking uh <laughs> that is social drinking. no um <laughs> yeah i mean i do any or all of the above okay well how do you spend your time i mean you clearly are a guy that has a lot of people that would like a piece of your time and you've got you know, uh, decisions to make. So you have to say no to a lot of stuff. And, you know, you, you don't ever come across as a person that would ever be rude or, you know, just not blow someone off. So how do you be accommodating, uh, but at the same time, get the work done that you need to get done and stay engaged?
2: Well, I, I think it's really about where the decision making happens. And I think a lot of businesses kind of have this command and control. Uh, mentality where basically almost all decisions need to come from the top and that's uh, not empowering and to the frontline employees it's also not it doesn't scale well uh, and so our whole philosophy here is the long-term vision and the values and, and, and so on are kind of uh, uh, I don't want to say dictated but for lack of a better word dictated from the top but then all the uh, decision making or as much as possible comes from the frontline employees because they're the ones that are closest to the customer anyways and uh, and so really they come up with uh, the ideas and you know and
1: as much as possible we want the decision- making to come from the bottom up you don't have a big office that's you know elitist or you mean know, you're right in the middle of uh... Everyone else, uh, what's that all about? I mean, you clearly could have, you know, uh, pretty much anything that you wanted in terms of an office uh, in your building, but you choose to to not. I mean, is there some strategy behind that, or what are your thoughts? Uh,
2: well, it, I mean, one of our core values is about uh, family and team atmosphere, and so and so it's interesting because it's not like we have a lot of different. Uh, oh, this is. There's some you know, secret reason why we did this or did this or this. Like it all comes out of our core values. And that's kind of the beauty of the core values is that you can really, you know, if I asked you, knowing what our core values are, is having a corner office in, uh, where you're away from the employees more in line with our core values or having a desk where you're amongst the employees... Uh, It's, I mean, every employee anywhere can, or even non-employee, can say clearly having a desk that's with everyone is more in line with our core values. Tidiness is clearly not one of our core values. Uh, I would say it's it's
1: one of not your core values.
2: (laughs) Yes. Um, But, I don't know, stuff just accumulates, uh, because there's always random, uh, you can see there's random gifts from... I don't even know who they're from sometimes. Yesterday, someone left a box of underwear on my desk. I don't know where. I'm assuming it's a vendor sample from one of our apparel. You're hoping, right? It could. (laughs) Yes, and not a hint for, you know, like when someone gives you gum if you have bad breath. Right, right. um, I would be very sad if that happened. Um, Yeah, that would would be kind uh, of a drag. You know, and there's uh, a lot of people uh, know that I am a fan of Grey Goose, so I, I have Gifts of Gray Goose on my desk. More
1: vodka than anyone could ever drink, uh, no, some people do finish drinking. <laughs> <a> month, so <laughs> That's a hint to the viewers if you ever want to send Tony anything. Gray Goose. Underwear, maybe. Uh,
2: yeah, between the two I'd probably prefer the gray goose. Right. Well,
1: okay, so 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 you have the you have this desk and it's right in the middle of everywhere. How much time do you spend there? Uh,
2: when whenever I'm in Vegas, then I'm unless I'm in a meeting or doing an interview
1: So with you're them. able to work and focus so, yeah. in that sort of environment?
2: Uh, yeah. it's. I, I think it's just one of those things that you just end up adapting to. So.
1: Yeah. Or do you consider yourself a distractible ADD sort of entrepreneur?
2: Uh, I would say I prefer to... You know, to be involved with a lot of different ideas and so on, but if I really need to focus on a specific project or task, then I can. Okay.
1: Well, Now, in growing an organization like you have here, uh, you're clearly, coming from a technology uh, background, uh, what are some of the future trends of things that people really should pay attention to versus things that they shouldn't pay attention to? Because, for instance, you've got how many followers you currently have on Twitter? Uh,
2: I don't know. Probably... Yeah, close to a million a yeah. sure. i
1: mean it's big it's big so uh, why do you use twitter
2: it's a uh, great way to connect with employees and customers on a more personal level and so if you look through my tweets if you go to twittercom Zappos, you'll see that there's very rarely a mention of shoes or clothing or any type of marketing pitch it's kind of it's a combination of basically what's going on in my own personal life. Like and, you're eating
1: pizza today or something like that? Yeah,
2: or, or uh, you know, what's going on at Zappos. Right.
1: So, so I mean, uh, what are some things that you would recommend that people, um, you know, look at or use if they're not currently using them? Do you have any tips on, on, on staying using technology in I, useful ways? Yeah,
2: I, well, I would say if you're not already personally using it just for your own personal life... Uh, don't try to do it for business. Like you need to actually enjoy using it on a personal level and have that. Whether it's Facebook or Twitter or whatever, uh, use that personally and uh, because you actually uh, truly want to use it, and then right. and then how to apply it to business becomes pretty straightforward, and you don't really even need to think about it.
1: You know, that's actually a great piece of advice. Although it may sound simple, I don't want to just. Pass over that. uh, I think what you said is pretty significant. If you don't have a a predisposition to using something, and you just say, "Well, you know, everyone says I should use so and so, but I hate doing it, and I don't, I would never use it in my personal life," it's probably something that you're you're not going to do a great job of utilizing. Yeah. And I see Mm -hmm. a lot of people they sign up for it and they just like I can't stand this. Why you know? But um. But everyone says I should do it, so that's a good hint. So.
2: And, And then you'll figure out, you know, as you're using it, that you know it's great for maintaining and building relationships of discovering interesting stuff uh, twitter i'm talking about twitter uh, and uh, but when you're actually using it you don't want to receive marketing messages from right. people and yet a lot of people go into it with the mentality of how do i use this for marketing when really it's more about relationship and brand building
0: so a couple of years ago tony sent out an a email about what he really wanted the company to be. And his original company, Link Exchange, got to the point where it wasn't really fun to come to work every day. So he sent out 34 different ideas and the team actually boiled it down to our 10 core values. And so. This is what drives the business. This is what keeps us going. Um, We don't ask anything hard of anybody. Uh, Do more than less. Continue to be humble, be passionate, and to pursue growth and learning. So we've had a lot of companies that actually have come on tour, and they've gone back to their their home office, and they've actually brainstormed and come up with their own core values. So we have a lot of folks that interview for a job that uh, don't believe in the core values. and Unfortunately, they don't get a chance to get hired, and then we have people that, for some reason, kind of get off the, the track and don't believe in the, the core values or practice them, and then we ask them to, to go into their next job. So it's a great equalizer. It's in our core. It's in the culture book. You get a, uh, a chance to take a look at them, and then uh, we um, just again thank you for coming to visit Zappos today,
1: Tony. I want to talk a little bit about your culture book. Um, maybe you know the story behind this and let me first read something out of here uh, this is from one of your employees uh, abby m she says uh, i can't say enough of how proud i am to work with and know such wonderful people when i tell someone who hasn't heard of zappos we know you're out there And we're coming for you I tear it up I can't help it it's like Disneyland but longer-lasting I find myself not taking off my work badge until I'm home because I want to make sure it's known just in case I stop anywhere that I work for the best company in the world Um, I, I heart Zappos and I just wanted to shout it from the top of a mountain and then another Abby says Zappos is the best thing that has ever happened to me and then it goes on to tell a story I mean those are you know these are not normal things that you hear from someone at work, I mean, usually they're wanting to rip the uniform off, get away from work, escape, and, and work is drudgery. And here, you know, you've got an entire, you know, culture book where you have every person that works for you that uh, is writing, um, you know, awesome things. Um, you know, Brent C., who's in your development, um, what is Zappos Culture? And he has the acronym for culture, creating an understanding and lifestyle that translates to utmost respect for everyone. And then I'll read one more thing and then... Have you explain what this book is all about? And then uh, Brittany D. in marketing, she she wrote, I adore Zappos.com. There's so much to say about what Zappos has done for me in such a short paragraph. Moving out to Las Vegas was hard because I had no family or friends around. Yet when I got hired at Zappos, it all changed. I had a huge family on day one, and it was amazing how I felt the second I walked in the door. I've never met a group of people like the ones we have here at Zappos, my friends from Indiana visited me recently and I took them on a tour. They all, kept, all they kept saying was, wow, they were amazed at how much fun this company is and how well it fit me, fit my personality. Everyone back home is a little jealous their company does not have the values and culture we have. I'm so proud to say that my job is what I look forward to every morning. I mean, that's pretty awesome stuff. I mean, so... You know, people can say, well, it's pretty cool. They got great customer service. But when you walk around, here, you know, we had lunch in your cafeteria today. And, um, you know, I can't, we must add half a dozen people that came up and literally addressed me by first name. How you doing, Joe? You know, things are going, oh, well? you having a good day? And so it's, it's like totally ingrained here. Um, but you documented it. And you literally got feedback from everybody. And you put a book that you now distribute, which I imagine is a great marketing piece. But at the same time... It tells a story, so explain this. What is this culture book all about?
2: So, uh, yeah, it's something we put out once a year and it's literally that. I just email all our employees and ask them uh, to write a few paragraphs about what the Zappos culture means to them. And Except for typos, it's unedited, so it includes the good and the bad and uh, it's organized by department, so you can see how the warehouse culture might be slightly different from the accounting culture, for example. And we're actually about to come out with our fifth edition of it, and we use it to give to prospective employees or even customers, vendors, who basically, you know, it, it's, it's one thing for a co- company to say, oh, this is what our culture or core values are. But, you know, it's if you read through all of them and, you know, the expectation isn't it's close to 500 pages, you're, not, you're probably not going to read through all 500 pages. But, you know, once you read through a bunch of them, you get a pretty good sense of what our culture is like here.
0: Right,
1: well, and uh, and what I like is you're, you're giving all of your people here an ability to voice what it is they think and then have it documented, so I think it's it's incredible. And you have a section where you ask vendors yep. to write something in there. Um, I think it's a fantastic idea. Would you recommend people take this sort of concept? and, and Yeah, and, and, use and
2: we're, you know what, we're actually happy to send that out uh, for free to uh, anyone that wants a copy. Uh, just have uh, your viewers email they can just email me Tony, T-O-N-Y at com, and it's a physical book so need their physical mailing address and we'll send one out.
1: Okay, well do you personally check your email or?
2: I do. I uh, I get a couple thousand email messages a day but I A day? A day. But I I read all of them and uh, I don't respond to all of them but a lot of them are actually very similar you know, types of questions and so we have a team uh, that we actually call the CEO team. That basically, if it's a common one, then I bounce it over to them, and they'll respond on my behalf. Okay, so you never. But it'll be clear that it's from them, not from me.
1: Okay, so you, you never get yourself getting buried in emails, or maybe you do. Uh, yes, yeah, deal with we, it. We do. We all do. I think. Yeah. How do you, how do you let me ask you about that? I mean, how do you how do you handle that? I mean, um, go on vacation uh, or you know, some people love being wired electronically, other people like myself, it absolutely bogs me down. I mean, it'll it'll create overwhelm for me. So what are some suggestions on sheer, it's more like a time management question again, but mm-hmm. what, are, what are some suggestions you have with dealing with, uh, in routing communication?
2: Um, I would say in general, uh, I, I guess this isn't, yeah, yeah I, I mean, this isn't just about email, but just in general, work uh, in general, just I try to think to myself, okay, am I just doing work uh, or am I actually building something that's gonna make my life easier later down the line? Mm -hmm. And so if I catch myself responding to an email, uh, then I'll ask myself, okay, do I, if I just respond to the email, then I consider that to be just doing work because, i've done that one thing but if someone else sends in a similar email uh two days later it's not going to get a bit, get the benefit of my first response right and so what i've done and, and this has worked uh, pretty well for interviews for example whether it's with blogs or magazines or whatever what i've generally done is i've said uh i won't do any phone interviews or video interviews so but you're special
1: yes I would
2: um, so generally all my emails are by email and what happens is the interview questions come in, and you know, a lot of times, many of them, or even most of them, are, some, are pretty much the same questions that other reporters or bloggers have already asked. Right. So then the uh, team of people we have answering emails will respond saying, you know, I'm responding on Tony's behalf, but you know, here, is, here are Tony's answers to your questions. And they actually are my answers, because I've e- answered them before myself. It's not someone ghostwriting for me. And then there's a few questions that maybe haven't been asked before, so they'll email me, and then I'll respond to those, and then uh, and then they'll add it to kind of the database of all questions that have been asked before. So, I feel good about responding to them because I'm actually building up that database as opposed right. to just. You know, okay. I've answered this one reporter, and you know, in a year later, I might be just roughly duplicating my work again.
1: Well, you know, first off, that's fantastic because you're you're not taking personal time to duplicate efforts, but at the same time, you're giving someone what it is they request in the first place. Right, so and it's and
2: it's you know truly me saying it because right.
1: I had originally said it. That's awesome. That's awesome. I like that. So, trying
2: to think of how do you, uh, you know, how maybe it might be more personal to. That in video form as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's kind of an idea floating out there. I don't know whether we'll actually end up doing it, but then, you know, questions that come in, they could uh, literally, the staff you could even have people, you know, outsource staff do it where they just copy and paste a video link to that one question.
1: Well, the other thing that you can do for, because I'm asking you pretty dull, mundane questions that you probably get asked all the time, is you could like have someone take this video and they could post other people's faces over it, like one of those little, (laughs) that that would be an idea. Yeah, or
2: pay for plastic surgery. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
1: I'll ask you a question. I don't know if you've been asked a lot. If, If you had any superpowers, any in the world, and you had your choice of only one, what would it be? Maybe mind reading. Maybe yeah, reading? that would be good. Uh, what are you most proud of
2: that you've accomplished? That's a good question. Uh, I, I think just just knowing that what we're doing here at Zappos is not just about Zappos; it's actually affecting other people's businesses and their lives. So I get emails from people that say, you know, they came and toured our offices and. Uh, you know, met with some of our folks, and you know, six months later, they've implemented a lot of those same things in their company, and now their company is on a very different path from where it was, you know, six months prior. Or um, I've gotten emails from employees that moved to, uh, say, New York two years ago, and uh, and then out of the blue, will email me and say, uh, even though they're no longer with Zappos and they miss Zappos, um they've taken our core values and adopted them as their own personal core values, and that that's really helped them personally.
1: Right. Well, you're speaking at my conference uh, this year, and uh, I've seen you speak twice. Uh, you're awesome. I mean, you really share. You have a great presentation, and I'm sure it's different every time because I don't ever see you like using you know, notes or anything. You just talk about what it is you do and how you do it. Um, but you're, you have a thing called Zappos Insights, and you're now you're such a transparent company and what's really cool about the fact that you do tours here is you you don't hide things from people you tell them here's how we ship here's you know how many orders we're doing I mean here's what it looks like here's people on the phone I mean you let people come in and you know videotape it if they want to Um, so uh, what are some for people that are watching that would want to learn what it is you do how, how you do it how can they get a how can they subscribe or become a member of some of these programs that you're doing that are now training people how to run a company and build a, build a culture.
2: Yeah, so there's a few different things you can do. One is, uh, I mentioned, get the culture book, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and that's free. I, and then uh, you can email tours at zappos.com, uh, and we give tours Monday through Thursday. So next time uh, you're in Vegas, it takes about an hour, and it's a lot of fun. And We uh, will basically, you'll meet every department briefly. And then the third thing, which is what you're talking about, is called Zappos Insights. So if you go to www.zapposinsights.com, uh, there's some free videos there, but basically it's a monthly subscription service for 40 bucks a month. And it's, uh, it's a combination of uh, just getting uh, inter- interviews with different people, you know, the heads of uh, HR or merchandising or whatever uh, people are interested in and getting those questions answered in video format. Uh, we also have a lot of authors and uh, other entrepreneurs and in businesses come that we interview and in put on there as well. And uh, and then also it's meant to be kind of a, um, really like a, I guess, sort of a Q and A consulting service as well. So if there's a question where you didn't see it answered in a video, uh, that you'd like to ask, then just ask, and then we'll find the most appropriate person in Zappos to answer it. Sometimes it's me, sometimes it's the head of some other department, and then that answer is shared with the entire community. So the idea is we'll build up more and more uh, knowledge and videos over time as uh, the community grows.
1: That's fantastic. So, I mean, did you ever think of yourself that you'd one day be a teacher, or did that something you kind of uh, just sort of fell into in the process of building a fun based culture with a bunch of wackiness
2: well i I think it was it actually kind of evolved from you know we're doing tours so often there's sometimes we have companies like southwest airlines or lego come and they actually spend an entire day or two here with Mm -hmm. us and with all the different departments that they'll spend a couple hours with recruiting a couple hours with our customer loyalty team and so on and uh, we realized that you know all this we're, we're doing it anyways. We might as well videotape it and put it online for those that can't afford to make the trip out to Vegas. And then the other part of it is we have a lot of different training classes for our own employees to help them progress to the next level, leadership classes, management classes, and so on. And we want to, since we're doing those anyways, we want to videotape those and then make those available through Zappos Insights.
1: Awesome. Now, a couple more questions I want to ask you. Uh, what keeps you awake at night? if you do ever still
2: probably the number one thing is just thinking about how do you stay ahead of the curve so that our culture doesn't go downhill and you know it, it takes active planning and and management and you know, most companies don't pay attention to that which is why most company cultures go downhill as the company grows uh,
1: so with you know at the time we're doing this interview there's a lot of a uh, lot of unemployment in the United States uh, you know recession a lot of a lot of people are struggling a lot of entrepreneurs trying to make it uh, any advice you would give uh, for people that, that are out there um, I mean obviously you employ lots of people and you you offer a, a great service uh, to, to thousands of people I think it's actually I think but, it's
2: actually one of the best times to start a business or grow your market share mm-hmm. uh, it's you know the, it's easier to find you know, talented employees uh, it's you know for office space or rent or whatever it's you can get better deals you can get better deals from suppliers vendors that other people are afraid of starting businesses so it's less competitive yeah. um, it's really I mean if, if I had a choice between you know starting from scratch in a recession environment or in kind of like a crazy, you know, like in the dot-com, uh, early dot-com days, I would definitely do it in the recession environment.
1: Okay, Tony, so what's uh, what's next for you and for Zappos? Uh, so, I, I think for us, just
2: because we're building the Zappos brand around the best customer service and customer experience, the, the cool thing about that is really, it's, it's kind of like Virgin, where the number of businesses we can get into is unlimited, mm-hmm. so... For me, like, I'm definitely an idea person and love coming up with new ideas for, uh, for business concepts, but really Zappos is a great platform for almost any business concept that I might come up with.
1: So it's just, it's, it's your home. It's the place you're gonna, you're gonna work out all your creativity.
2: Yeah, well, not just mine, but employee, uh, our employees, too. We really encourage our employees, if they have an idea they're passionate about, to just take it and run with it, and we'll see what happens.
1: Awesome. Okay, well, for everyone that is watching this that has never done business with Zappos, I'm going to encourage them to do it, because in and of itself, it's a it's a lesson in uh, how to provide fantastic customer service, just to experience calling, uh, ordering. Uh, I mean you guys do a ton of things to wow people if anyone has an opportunity to come down here and, and get a tour It's a it's a fantastic place. I mean something you really don't quite get until you actually experience it in person um, So for people that have never bought anything from Zappos uh, I'd like to do a plug for why they should do that I mean what 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 out of all the different places that people can buy things? Why should they buy stuff from Zappos?
2: Well, initially, I think people come just because we have a huge, huge selection of shoes and clothing, and uh, our, our warehouse is the size of 17 football fields, and so it's a, it's a lot of... 17 football fields? Yeah. Right. And uh, that's, that's big. Yeah, and I'm not talking about, you know, the uh, leprechaun football fields, like yeah, the, human-sized football fields. Right. And, uh, and it, and so a lot of people initially, they're like, oh, I would never buy shoes online or never buy clothes online because of fit issues. But it's free shipping both ways. And so that's actually our business model. And uh, the shipping back and forth is just, just, how, just part of the service. So a lot of people order 10 different pairs of shoes, try them on with 10 different outfits, and then ship back the ones they don't like and they have 365 days to do so. And uh, it's funny because initially what we found is the hardest thing is getting people to try it the first time but once they try it the first time then they're, it's kind of like crack, they're, they're hooked and, the, right. and
1: then they tell their friends about us, so. But in a good way. Yeah, yeah in a good way. Yeah, the good crack. Yeah, the uh, well, healthy crack. Exactly, no, and, and, and it's true, you actually encourage people if they're not happy, send it back, because your whole thing is, is really, I mean, talking about happiness, you're, you're really trying to just make very happy customers, very happy vendors, very happy employees, and that's what's allowed Zappos to grow to the level that it has. So you're, you're doing an absolutely fantastic job here, very impressive company.